Oh, God, good, guys. Isn't God good? God, we thank you. Thank you for your presence here right now. Jesus, thank you for coming to the cross, uh, coming into this world and going to the cross for us. God, thank you for uh, your good grace. And we just acknowledge that every good thing comes from you. You're a good God and you do good. Lord, thank you for uh, this Thanksgiving that we got to spend with others. And maybe it's a day of just reflection of how good you are. So we thank you, Lord. We are in deep gratitude to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you stir hearts, move in hearts. I know there's some people here, Lord, who just are running on empty and other people are running on full. Would you uh, minister to each heart according to your will? And I pray for those who are watching online. Also, God, I pray that you get a hold of them. Whatever they're doing, would you minister to them, Lord? Minister to them. I pray that your spirit, O oh Lord, comes upon us in a life-changing way. I pray that you come and I know you're already here, Lord, and I, we want more of your spirit, God. We need more of your spirit. I pray that every soul hears a word from you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you, God, for the breath in our lungs. Thank you for forgiving us for our sins. And thank you for your unfailing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, turn it to someone and tell them Merry Christmas. Can you do that? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Hey, uh, I want to I wanna share something else with you guys. We have, um, I guess a couple of weeks ago, we did our annual Feed 5000. And a lot of you participated in that. Yeah, way to go. Thank you so much. Uh, this is something we've been doing for many years. And I'm kind of emotionally attached to this, I think because I know where it started. And it started with a story about goldfish crackers at McElwain Elementary School. That's where it all started. And that's where the Lord put a seed right there and he planted that seed. And it started with a conversation I had with a pastor friend at a Beaver Creek, Ohio, when I was in a parking lot outside of Tokyo Joe's restaurant. And the Lord stirred my heart and said, Reuben, you can do this. And uh, I, I give all the glory to God, but it also started with a conversation I had when someone came into my office and said, hey, I think we have a better way of feeding people rather than inviting people to come to our church. Why don't we put food in a box? And why don't we give it to them that way? And this way they could have a little dignity and enjoy a Thanksgiving meal in their, in their home. And uh, that's where it started. So as I look at this, I think about where it started and I think about the power of, of God and the way he works. It starts off small, but he does great things that start off with small things. And all we have to do is be faithful and obedient to him. So way to go, Thorn Creek Church. Those of you who are online, thank you so much for being a part of uh, Feed 5000. We successfully fed over 6,000 people in over 20 public schools. And uh, I want you to see what kind of difference you made. Check this out. song she finds a healing for my cousin Dominique Bahamba's as a felon I'm bringing that she hears this too 
Shout out to my grandma Sunday school classes and her reading glasses Wishing I was rich and famous and I can buy her houses She lost my grandpa for this year yeah. Man, I know that was hard But at least he lived a good life yeah. Oh, glory to God Yahweh, sing his praise till the walls fall down And if the walls don't fall down, sing his praise anyhow You know my daddy was a gangster, God turned it around Now my daddy is a gangster with a rope and a crown Hey, we're all God's Till it happens, giving up is not an option. My uncle Jeff still drinks until he falls on his face. But God hand is not short, and it's not too late. Pray for the pastors, pray for the sinners, daughters and believers, everything in between. If we struggle, let's struggle. But look out for each other. We don't know what we go through. That you love, that you love them All of the dreams that somehow you laid aside Be yourself walking all the way into the light Before they're dead and they're gone, give them roses Cause there's a gift in every day and every moment The only way that I know to redeem the time Is make the best of the present here and now Make the best of the present here and now Well, thank you so much, guys, for being a part of it. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for financially participating in this. And this could not be done without the partnership of Food for Hope. And I want to get, make sure I give them a shout out. And uh, it's beautiful. Not only Food for Hope, but there's so many other organizations that partnered with us to make this happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That whole project, I think the last time I checked, it cost over $60,000 to feed over 6,000 people. So uh, you are part of a church that believes in ministering to people outside of our walls. And I believe that's a healthy church, one of the characteristics. And as I said earlier, I, I, I think uh, I'm a little bit more emotionally attached because when you're, the, when, when you're part of the beginning, you know every brick. You know how it all came together. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like parents, you know, you're pretty emotionally attached to your kids. You remember the day they were born. You remember the day you brought them home, and there's this emotional attachment you have to it. And if there's one thing that I, I think about related to Feed 5000, it's, again, it's the power of just uh, trusting God with the little. Trusting God with that small dream that you have. Trusting God with that, with that uh with that little bit that you have, and you're like, okay, I, I'm, I don't know where this is going to go. I have a little bit of hope. I have a little bit of faith. 
It's been a long time since I've been at church, and I I don't know, you know what, that relationship I have with someone, it's a strained relationship, and we no longer talk. I used to serve, and I no longer serve anymore, and I used to be, and I'm no longer that person anymore, and it was just a little bit, and, and here's where I'm going at, is we can underestimate what God can do with the little. We can underestimate what God can do with the little. And I want to start off this message by telling you this, you have enough for a miracle. You have enough for a miracle. It's in your kitchen. <laughs> it's in your heart. You have enough for a miracle. God can do anything he wants, but you have a part in it. You have a part in it. And I, I believe we live our lives in such a way that we, uh, we, reap, the, we reap our expectations many times. If you, if you uh, live your life with a, a little bit of faith and you don't take many steps in, in your relationship with God, you're probably going to get that as well. But if you take great steps of faith with a little bit that you have, you see God move in big ways. But I think the first question is, how bad do you want God? How bad do you want to see God move in your life? How bad do you want to be delivered? Really? How bad do you want to be set free? How much of God's grace do you want in your life? How much of God's Holy Spirit do you want in your life? How much joy do you want in your life? How much peace do you want in your life? Do you really, do you really want to see God want to see God move? That's, that's the question here. Let's pray. God, thank you for, uh, again for your word. And, and again, I just pray that you anoint this message. Pour your spirit here, Lord. And uh, I, I just want to I, I be a vessel for you, Lord. You know that's my heart. We need to hear from you. So stir every heart, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Grace and I had uh, people over our house who uh, did not have a family uh, in town. And it was so cool having these people over our house that they all have beautiful stories of God's grace. And it was beautiful having people, it just felt like a box of M&Ms, you know, a box of Skittles. And it was so beautiful having that. I, I love that. Um, Greg Beard shared a story with me and he gave me permission to share this. But he said that a few years ago, he, uh, he likes to fry turkeys and he ran out of peanut oil. So uh, he went to the store to get more peanut oil and he found three, three uh, like cans of peanut, peanut oil. And while he was cooking it, uh, his wife said, hey, doesn't that turkey smell a little bit weird? And, and he said, I think it's okay. And then he, he looked at the cans that he brought and it was like peanut oil, peanut oil, kerosene. Oh. Uh, so uh, he took it out. And he, took, he pulled it out, and he said it was on fire. Isn't that right, Melissa? It was on fire, and apparently it looked like Haley's Comet going through the air into the snowbank. Uh, uh, so he, he saved his house. So um, Thanksgiving's always, always fun, isn't it? So check this out, guys. I am so excited about this message. I'm excited about the message in the message. And even as I'm looking at it right now, God is showing me some things right now. That's one of my prayers when I preach. I want to I have fresh insight into God's word. I want to be, uh, be running. It's an incredible pressure for any preacher to preach every single week, many times, I mean, many, many times throughout the year, and to make sure it's a fresh word. Now, that means I've got to have a fresh walk to give you a fresh word. And I feel that burden all the time. We're looking at a famous passage today, guys, and it's uh, involving a prophet. It's involving a dirty bird 
a dirty city and an old bird. <laughs> and it's found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, that's where we're going to be at, guys. And I want to share with you, this is a verse we're going to lead up to. And I'm going to jump to the verse right here. It's verse 12, uh, B. He says, I have only a handful of flour left. And, and that phrase right there is what jumped off the page with me in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. I, I have only a handful of flour left. And I want to just stop right there, and I would like you to just kind of do a survey of your own life and think about what that means. You might have only a handful of flour left. And whether it's a little bit of hope or a little bit of faith or a little bit of whatever, and you look at it and you have to make a decision, is there anything good that can come out of this? Is there anything good that can, what, what could happen out of this? I only have a little bit of uh, my finances or just, I mean, it's just, I'm just barely making it and I'm at the end of my rope. What do I do? What do I do? And maybe, maybe that's, that's you. It's so cool. I'm hearing stories of people reconciling with their kids after many, many years. And that's, that's what God does. And, and, and sometimes we can look at relationships and think it's just too far. So I really want to talk to the person who feels like you don't have enough. I want to talk to the person who feels like you have little faith. I want to talk to the person who feels like it's too late. It's too late. Wherever you're at. And I also want to talk to the person who considers themselves a Christian, a follower of Christ. That covered just about everyone. Um, uh, turn to someone and say, you have enough. Can you do that? Just tell them you have enough. Touch someone, tell them you have enough. The title of today's message is, what can a handful do? What can a handful do? Um, we're looking at this guy named Elijah. Elijah is one of the major prophets that you look at in uh, scripture. The guy's a rock star. The guy does supernatural, miraculous things. In fact, when you look at his life, he's first mentioned in chapter 17. And he, there's about 14 miracles that he performs, including calling fire down from heaven to destroy some soldiers. And that, that, that's a cool superpower. He can do that. And all kinds of stories related to him. This is a guy, him and another guy named Enoch, are the only two guys uh, other than Jesus, well, Jesus saw death, but the, the only two guys that you read about in Scripture that, that never died. They never died. And Elijah actually was caught up in, you know, with his chariot of horses and a fire and a windstorm and just took, took him right up into heaven. Could you imagine living your life in such a way that you never see death? And, and in Scripture, in the New Testament, James tells us Elijah was a human being just like you and me. Just like you and me. Just like us. And when you look at his life, his life is typically in the shadow of this evil king named Ahab. Evil king named Ahab. Now Ahab, he reigned between 874 to 853 B.C. 874 to 853 B.C. Now Elijah's preaching this one message. And here's the one message he preaches over and over. There's one God. There's one God. A monotheistic theology. There's one God. And he's saying this at a time when people worship this God known as Baal and worship many gods. So he's shouting out this message that there's, this only, there's only this one God in the midst of, a, of a, a culture that believes in worshiping many gods. You know, students, could you imagine shouting at your school, there's only one God? Yeah, how would that go over? Uh, adults, could you imagine shouting at that workplace, there's only one God, how would that go over? And that's exactly what Elijah is doing. 
something else about the climate of this culture in chapter 17 that we read about. The backdrop is there's many uh, Hebrews who have kind of gone into hiding. So they're, not, they're no longer co- uh, courageous and confident and bold about their, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They're really kind of cowarding back, and in so much so that Elijah is not even sure who's with him anymore. He feels very alone. Have you ever had silent support? You know, like someone says, I have your back, but when you need them the most, they're quiet. You ever had that kind of, I've had that kind of support before. Someone tells you privately, you know, I have your, you have my back. And I say, that's great. Well, I need you when we're in the thick of it, when we're in the battle and there's people around and I'm getting hurled, you know, spears and gunshots. That's when I need your support, not in the privacy of Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? Elijah felt alone. He had a lot of silent support. Hebrews were starting to worship other gods. And he shows up on the scene in chapter 17. It starts off like this. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab. And King Ahab was arguably one of the most wicked men out there. He, uh, he ruled the northern kingdom. That was, that's what he ruled. But he was an evil, evil king. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve... There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. So Elijah starts off, has this conversation with Ahab and says, did you see all that? The Lord, the God of Israel, the God I serve, my God. That's who I'm talking about. My God, (laughs) as surely as he's my God, there's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any rain. And he shares this. Incidentally, do you know why he shares it like this? Because the pagan god Baal was thought to be the sky god. The God of the weather. That's who Baal was. He was a sky God, the God of the weather. And, and, and God is totally flexing and saying, look, there's no other God like me. And I'm going to show you who can shut up the mouth of this Baal. And I'm going to make rain stop for, for a period of time. In fact, it was three and a half years. And then verse two. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Remember, now, now a drought is starting. You know, every once in a while here in Colorado, we have droughts, right? And this is a three and a half year drought. It's, you can't water your yard anymore. You know, you, can take, you can't take showers anymore. It's just a drought. <laughs> then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. As in the birds. Those are Pastor Jeremy's favorite, favorite animals. For I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. Let me just stop right there. What were these? these were birds. What kind of birds were they? Ravens. Let me just blow your mind. Check this out. When you look at Leviticus, in Leviticus, everything is about what's clean and unclean. It's about being holy because God is holy. So the Israelites took this seriously. It's like they had, they had to pay attention to their diet. They had to pay attention to what they touched because they, they, they wanted to have a relationship with God. And God said, if you don't have a relationship with me, then you got to be clean. Did you know one of the unclean creatures out there were ravens? They were unclean. God chooses to use the unclean to minister to the clean. 
Praise the Lord. That is powerful. That's a whole other message right there, guys. I just dropped something there. Some, I hope you picked that up. God chooses to use the unclean to minister to the clean. Just chew on that when you go to bed tonight. Um, a verse, uh, verse 7 says, after a while, the brook dried up. <clears throat> well, now there's another message right there. The very thing that God used to minister to you is now dried up. Mm. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a, a what church? A, a widow there to feed you. So Zarephath, what's Zarephath? Uh, Zarephath is a Gentile city. Zarephath is the place, that region is the same region that another woman, it's kind of her backyard. Her name is Jezebel. Zarephath is this place where, where Baal was worshipped. Where Baal was worshipped. That's Zarephath. So God tells Elijah to go to a Gentile, an unclean city with unclean people to a place where Baal is worshipped. And you're going to find a widow there and she's going to take care of you. Now, I'll just tell you, widows were known to be very poor. We don't know her age, but supposedly she's past her prime, right? We know she has a son later on. We read about that, but she's past her prime and she's now poor and she's in a desolate situation. And when I look at this, I think Elijah must have thought, you know what? I think I had a better chance with the ravens feeding me. I think I had a better chance with them. And it's almost like God goes from this, this dire situation and he leads you to even a more dire situation. And he says, I'm going to take care of you. Have you ever been there before where you feel like God's just leading you to a place and you're saying, how God? Jesus talked about this, this, uh, this town. He was in Luke chapter four. He, he sends this message, says, preaches this message about a prophet that's not welcome in his hometown. And he also preaches this message about miracles. And in Luke chapter 4, the message is this. Um, his hometown won't accept miracles. They won't believe in miracles. So sometimes you have to go outside of your hometown. And verse 25 says this. Certainly there were many new needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. This is what Jesus is saying. There were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years. These are the words of Jesus. And a severe famine devastated the land. Yet, Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. You got you to gotta pick this up here. When Elijah was prophesizing truth. And that's, that's challenge. That's a challenge. It's a lot easier to preach truth in a church than where you work at. It's a lot easier to preach truth in a church than at school, in a public school. It's a lot easier to preach truth in certain situations. But Elijah was sent to a Gentile city. Why didn't he go to a Hebrew city? Why didn't he go to a Hebrew woman? Why didn't he go to someone who grew up with, with uh, the law and, and the writings of Moses and who went to church all their life? Why didn't he go there? Why didn't he go to, so, go to someone who went to church like that? Why didn't he do that? Why did he go outside? Why did he cross the tracks and go over there and minister over there? Why did he do that? Why did he go? Why did God send him over there? Sometimes those who are far from God 
are more open to receiving the things of God and are hungrier for a miracle in their life than those people who've grown up in the church and have become stale and stagnant and no longer are growing and are no longer expecting. And God went, God said, we're going to go across the tracks. We're going to go to Zarephath and we're going to go there. We're going to go there. Let's check it out. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow. And what was she doing? She was gathering sticks. That sounds pretty desperate, doesn't it? That's where she's at. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. She's gathering sticks. Poor woman. Meager scraps for firewood. I don't think she realized who was at her doorstep. I don't think she realized who Elijah was when he showed up. God can use the most unlikely. God can use the most unlikely. First a raven, now a widow, now a dirty bird to an old bird. Here it is. And, and, and here's what's happening. You've got to understand why she's gathering sticks. The woman was living in a famine because there was a drought that Elijah prophesied about. It, there wouldn't be a famine if there wasn't a drought. See, one problem has created another problem. You catch that? One problem has created another problem. So this woman is paying the price. She lives there, and Jesus said there's many widows in this area. Many widows. And she's paying the price for, this, for, the, for the word of God, and she doesn't even know it. She doesn't even know it. And God's about to use this problem for his glory. Sometimes God will use that very problem that you've been praying for God to remove. That is so good, guys. That's worth the price right there. Sometimes you pray and you say, God, would you free my kid from that problem? Would you help us out of this problem? Would you deliver us from this problem? God, would you just work in the heart of my sister? Would you work in the heart of my kid? Would you work in the heart of my brother? God, would you just take care of this problem and it doesn't go away? Why doesn't it go away? Sometimes God's going to use that very problem. He's going to use it, and he's going to humble you, and he wants you to seek him, and he's going to do a miracle, but he's going to use that problem. Other times, that problem will create another problem, and that's what's happening here. Maybe there's a purpose for a water access problem in the city of Thornton, and God's going to use all that for his glory. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you didn't read the email. That's okay. It's all good. We just need a remnant. That's all we need. Something else to think about. This woman, she watched a lot of things. She watched her grass dry up, didn't she? She watched the crops dry up. She watched the king supers, you know, dry up. She saw the shelves go empty. Maybe she saw some of her neighbors die. Maybe she saw some things happening around her that just really shook her and she thought, well, what's going to happen to me? She saw a lot of things. It reminds me of what we've been through in the last few years with COVID. We see some things. We see some things. And, and I, I think it has the power to affect us. And, and she's really in survival mode. 
She's really in survival mode. She's get, just, getting, just getting by. You know, it's hard to be thankful when you're just trying to survive. Isn't it? It's hard to be thankful when you're just trying to survive. She's gathering, gathering sticks. This is really remarkable because Elijah's in one place and the widow's in another place. Check out the, I mean, Elijah goes toe-to-toe with Ahab and says, look, this is what's going to happen. There's not going to be any rain or dew for three and a half years because, you know, there's only one God. It's the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. There's just one God. And then God tells him, okay, I want you to go by this brook. And the guy eats every morning and every evening food that the ravens bring to him. I mean, he has this level of faith and trust in God. He's experiencing things that most of us have never experienced. I've never had a bird bring me food. Have you? And that's what he's doing. And he shows up to this woman, and she's in a completely different place. Have you ever talked to someone who's at a totally different headspace than you? You know what I'm talking about? You're like here, and you're like, man, I just got off from the mountain, and God is with me, and he's so good, and you show up with someone else, and they're in survival mode. Self-centered. Whole different place. Whole different place. So he shows up. These two people are completely different places. And here's what I think is remarkable about this. I mean, there's a lot of things remarkable about this, this widow. But check this out. She's gathering sticks. She's about to cook her last meal. She's about to die. That's where her head's at. And this old man shows up and says, hey, can I have some water? They want you to bring me some bread too. <laughs> a little demanding, right? And look what she does. She steps out of her suffering to give him a glass of water. Did you hear that? I don't know about you, but when you're in suffering, you're in survival mode, aren't you? Isn't it just about you? If we're honest, she steps out of her suffering. And I, I just, I just, I mean, this is her lane. This is where she's at. She steps out of her suffering and she gives this man that she doesn't even know some water and some food. I want you to hear this. If you can't step out of feeling sorry for yourself, then you'll miss out on what God is doing in front of you. Hmm. This is so good, guys. This is just a good sermon. I'm just telling you right now. It's just a good sermon. If you can't step out of feeling sorry for yourself, some of you have felt sorry for yourself for a long time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them it's time. If you're in online right now, just type in. It's time right now. It's time. It's time. It's time. Another thing, this, 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 uh, as I look at this passage, the other thing the Lord showed me was this woman was old was old. I mean, old. And uh, I thought about that. And we don't know her story before this date. We know she has a kid, but we don't know. I mean, we know she was, she's a widow, but the scripture doesn't share anything about her story before this date. And all of a sudden she's her life at this very moment in her time when she's old and she's lost a husband and and, and she has one son and one boy that we know. And, and, and she's now at the place where people might look at her and think, well, your days are over. What good are you? And it's at this point in her timeline, in her age, that she's written about. Do you guys catch that? 
It's at this point, in the end of her days, all of a sudden she does something that is written in the Holy Bible. And it's recorded forever. Now let me give you something else to think about. Has it ever dawned on you that your best days, what you will be remembered for, what, you, what will be written about you, are what will happen in your future and not in your past? I'm talking to you old people, all of you who are over 40, and I'm talking to you. <laughs> 60, 70, 90 plus. Has it ever dawned on you? that what you will be remembered for hasn't even happened yet. And your faith, she was, she was, she was born for such a day as, as this, your future faith, your future obedience, your future trust. Then she says this in verse 12. She said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a, what church? A handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And she catch that phrase that she said. She said, I swear by the Lord, your God. In other words, Elijah's God is not her God. But I think she's having some second thoughts about her God in the midst of this drought and famine. And, and here is evidence right here that this is a woman who didn't know the God of Israel. Isn't it beautiful how God just stretches out his tent? God will include someone that society looks down on who is considered outdated, unclean, and ungodly as an integral part of his storyline. Isn't that beautiful? He's just looking for faith, obedience, and he doesn't care what color of skin and how old you are. He's just looking for faith and obedience. He's looking for someone who still believed, who's still hungry, who's still hungry. And she famously says, I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. What are you doing with your handful? Um, I brought some flour today. I don't know. I, was, I asked Grace to put this together for me. And, and I said, is this a handful? And I was like, I think so. This is pretty close. Maybe it's a little bit more than it should be. But I, I look at this and I think, gosh, this, if this was it, if this is all she had, and I, I'm, I have to think, she's thinking, well, once this is gone, I'm gone. This is it. I think we can look at our lives and we can, we can say, I only have a little bit of time left or a little bit of strength or a little bit of faith and I only have a little bit of whatever and we, we can say, it's just a handful. I'm not sure what good it is. But see, a handful's enough for God to work with. Glory to God. A handful's enough for God to work with. And he just wants you to see what you already have, what you need. All you need to do is put faith and trust in God behind it. You already have what you need. It's really the story of two fish and five loaves all over again. We just have a little bit. It's just one guy who brought some lunch. That's all we have, God. What good is that? So your problem's not about what you don't have. Your problem is the faith and obedience that you don't have. And this woman knows after this is gone, she's gone, and she meets this old man. Let me say it like this. She was trying to hold on to what she had left. Did you catch that? 
She's trying to hold on to what she had left. You prove your character by how you live when you have little, not when you have much. That's how you prove your character. It's when you have little. You realize you don't get credit for your faith when you have much. You realize that, right? You realize you don't get credit for your faith when your refrigerator is full. You realize that, right? You don't really get credit for your faith when the money's there and you're living a great lifestyle. I mean, that's a blessing from God. Don't get me wrong. But you get credit for your faith when you have little. See, what the challenge is, is as God blesses, you don't forget who's the provider. You don't forget where it came from. And you see things differently. Because I think we can get, uh, when we have little, uh, there's this reflex that we have. It's a spiritual reflex. And here's the spiritual reflex. When you have little, you hold on tighter. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what it's like to have little. And you hold on tighter. And you think, I only have a little bit of time. I'm going to hold on tighter. I only have a little bit. I'm going to hold on tighter. I can't afford to do what I, I'm going to hold on tighter. And let me tell you a secret. The, 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 the tighter you hold on to it, the tighter it holds on to you. The tighter you hold on to it, the tighter it holds on to you. And you become a greedy person a self-centered person and you become someone who just thinks about yourself and you, you can, you've convinced yourself if I hold on tighter, I'll be in control. I'll be in control. I'll be in control. Verse 12 said this. She said, I was gathering, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. And then Elijah says this, but Elijah said to her, what is the, what are those three words? Don't be afraid. You know what that tells me? When she had this, she was also full of fear. When she had just a little bit, she was full of fear. She saw her grass dry up. She saw the crops dry up. She saw maybe her friends die. She looked around and looked at the circumstances, and she was afraid. And she was afraid. What would have happened if she didn't get him water? What would have happened if she said, nope, I'm sorry, you got the wrong address. Just move along. Here's where, where I, what I believe, guys. Some of us are living in a state of fear. And we're holding on tighter. Because of fear. Because of what we've seen. Especially if you're around a couple of years ago and you saw the shelves go empty and you see toilet paper differently today, right? <laughs> See toilet paper a little bit differently. You see oxygen just a little bit differently. Somebody coughs and it makes you nervous. Don't be driven by fear anymore. Don't be driven by fear anymore. There's some people that still haven't come back to church out of fear. Still haven't come back to church. And if that's you and you're online, we'd love to have you back. Love to have you back. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Glory to God. And this woman has seen everything. She's seen everything. And she's holding on. And Elijah says, 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me say it like this. When you're fearful, it's hard to be thankful. When you're fearful, it's hard to be thankful. This is such a good sermon, guys. I'm just, I keep saying that. I feel, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to be egotistic. I'm just saying what the Lord has done in my heart. When you're fearful, it's hard to be thankful. And if you're living in this place where it's never going to be enough for you, you don't want to share. Hello. You're always counting how much you have left. And you're always thinking, you live in a place of scarcity. And you, you, that, that's where you're at. Why didn't, why didn't God send Elijah to a Hebrew? Hello. Why didn't he do that? And some of you, let me say it like this, because this woman is out gathering sticks. She's doing her, you know, her routine. This is what she does on whatever day of the week it is, Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. Well, I don't know what day of the week it is, but this is, she's not expecting a miracle. She leaves her house to go gather sticks. She's not going to church. She's not going to go read her Bible. She's not going to go pray. She's just minding her own business. And, and I guess I want to say this, is she didn't realize that, that this was not going to be the end. She thought this was going to be the end. And for some of you who are in a situation and you feel like maybe this is your life or your marriage or your spiritual life and this is where you're at or your finances, I want to say this. I want to say this. You're closer than you think. You're closer than you think. God can do anything he wants. He wants you. He wants you. I think the sad part is, is, is we have too many, even Christians or whatever, or who are more in love with keeping the jar full than trusting their God. They're more in love with keeping the jar full. And as long as the jar full is full, they're generous. As long as the jar is full, they're giving. As long as the jar is full, they're trusting. As long as the jar is full, I'll go to church. But what happens when things happen in your life that shake you a little bit? You stop going to church? You walk away? You know, I'm going to say this too, guys. There are some parents that are teaching their kids, when times get tough, you walk away. There are some husbands that teach their wives and wives teaching their husbands when times get tough, you walk away. If he says something we don't like, we just walk away. You know what? Every day, every week I'm at church. You should be grateful. The minute you say something I don't like, we're walking away. When there's problems, let's walk away. Let's just go somewhere else and we'll be there until, until adversity happens there. Here's the test. Elijah tells this woman, go ahead and do just what you said. But make a little bread for me first. <laughs> Did you see that? Elijah says, yeah, go ahead and gather your sticks and do what you got to do. But make some bread for me first. Then, now, now that's, she's, he's talking about using the flour that she has. He says, I want you to go make some bread for me first. And then after you make bread for me first, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. 
Did you catch that? Did you see what God says? God said, I want you to trust me first. God says, somebody needs to hear this. God wants you to trust him first. God wants you to exercise obedience first. God wants you to walk by faith first. It's not when things change and circumstances change, then I'll be obedient, then I'll walk by faith, then I'll be a giving person, then I'll serve. There's too many people out there that says, when my circumstances change, then I'll do this. When things, ha when things are different, then I'll do this. When, when, when things happen that I agree with, then I'll go ahead and do this. And, and, and when, when I, I have more, then I'll give more. And when, whatever it is. And, and we convince ourselves when the circumstances change, then I'll do this. But God says, I want you to trust me first. Verse 14 says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. There's the promise right there. God shares this promise with the widow and he says, there's always going to be, there's always going to be flour and olive oil in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain. During the whole famine, he's telling, he's telling the widow, check this out, there's going to be flour in this jar all the time. You can empty it out and come around at lunch. It's going to be there again. And you can use it at lunch and empty it out and come around dinner. There it is again. It's just going to miraculously appear out of nowhere. Flour inside of a jar. Oil inside of a jar. Just miraculously. It's because God can do anything. Glory to God. God can do anything. Glory to God. God's not confined to your imagination. I have to wonder about this widow's neighbor's. You think word got out? They're in a famine and a drought. You think word got out? Hey, go have breakfast at her house. She's like Cracker Barrel. You can go there and you can eat there. I don't know what she makes these awesome pancakes. And you can go back for lunch and get some biscuits and stuff. And yeah, there's some good bread. She always has enough. You think she had a line at her house? You think she became incredibly popular? I have a feeling she did. I have a feeling she did. So she did. Oh, this is so big. So she did, as Elijah said. That's, that's called obedience. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. I have to think when she was eating biscuits and gravy, she was thinking, I have never had this good. This has never been tasted this good. I mean, this is, this is flour from heaven. This is so fresh. I, have, I, have, I, have, I want to make something else for you. I'm gonna just, let's make something else. I'm going to make something else. And the other thing you notice too is God gave her just enough. It's like manna from heaven. Pick up manna from the morning and that's it. Not for tomorrow, just for today. See, God wants you to depend on him. God wants you to learn to depend on him. And God starts providing for this widow. <clears throat> you can trust God regardless of what you see. You can trust God regardless of what you see. Take note from an old woman. A handful of obedience and trust is enough for God to use. Verse 16 says this. 
There was always enough. There was always enough flour. There was always enough flour and olive oil. I'm sorry, there was always enough flour and olive oil. There was always enough. There was always enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. Just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Some of you have been waiting for your circumstances to change. And you've been wanting more. You've been wishing for more. You've been hoping for more. You're like, oh, I need more. And once I have more, it'll be different. And you've been waiting for a surplus. But here's what I want to say. Instead of wanting more, you need to thank God because there was always enough. You need to thank God because there was always enough. You need to thank God because there was always enough. There's always been enough, hasn't there? There's always been enough. Just enough of his grace for your life. Hasn't there been enough of grace for your, your life? Hasn't there always been enough? Why Hasn't there been enough food for you all of your days? Hasn't he taken care of you all of your days? Hasn't he watched over you all of your days? Hasn't there been enough all the time over and over and over? Hasn't his mercy been enough in your life? Hasn't he given you enough strength? Hasn't he carried you when you were just out of it and you were worn out? Hasn't there always been enough? Praise the Lord that there's always been enough. And don't live in fear that there won't be enough tomorrow. Don't live in fear that there won't be enough tomorrow. The beautiful thing about walking with God for a long time is you build up this track record. Some of my older saints, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you see God move. And you recognize, you worry less. You worry less because you've seen how God has moved in the past. And you don't worry about things. You know, I've seen God move. I'm not worried about tomorrow. You don't know what he did. I've seen him move in my life. He's always had enough. This woman discovered the one who is enough. That's who he, she discovered. The one who is enough. The God who is enough. That's who she discovered. And verse, verse 16 says, The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Truly joyful people, truly joyful people know the God who is enough. Truly happy people, happy people, they know the God who is enough. They know the God who's enough. The one who has peace knows the God who is enough. Glory to God. The one who has a clean heart knows the God who is enough. And they don't worry about anything. Why in the world didn't he go to a Hebrew woman? Why didn't he go to a Christian? You know what God's looking for? God's looking for anyone. Anyone who wants to believe. Anyone who's hungry for his presence. Anyone who wants to step outside of their suffering. Anybody who has an open mind to see what God wants to do in your life. God has a plan for your life. God's not done with you. She gets written up in the book at the end of her days. 
turn to the person next to you and just tell them God's not done with you. Can you do that? Find someone really old and put your hand on them. Really old. Put your hand on them and say, your best days are ahead. God's not done with you yet. There's a lot of old people saying, don't you touch me. I know. It's all right, man. What's God doing in your heart, guys? Well, that's the message the Lord put on my heart. Uh, God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for this incredible story. And uh, we just want to apply it to our lives, God. And if you were, maybe you don't know Jesus, and this is your first step. If you want to know Jesus and you want to become a Christian, just say, Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I want to become a Christian. Jesus, I give you my life. Others of you, maybe you need faith like this widow, this old woman. And maybe you just need to say, thank you, God, because you've always taken care of me and I've always had enough. Use me, God, for your glory. I want to grow in my faith. Oh, make that your prayer. I want to grow in my faith. I want to see more of your work. I want to witness more of your miracles. I want to be used by you, God, in a greater way. In a greater way, Lord. So right now, maybe you need to say this prayer. God, I vow to honor you with what I have. My, my handful. I'm going to honor you with my handful. Whatever that handful is. Because, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you that with, with a little and you, it's enough. Maybe that means you're going to start giving and honoring God. Maybe that means you're going to trust him with your situation and the circumstances, whatever it is. Put him to the test. God, you told this woman, you go first. <laughs> and you bake some bread first. And afterwards... You can eat. And Lord, we just say, we'll honor you first. We'll obey you first. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, the name above all names that we say all this and pray all this. Amen.